Hello everyone, I'm your host Luke and this is my co-host Jared, how's it going guys? And today we're doing a podcast episode on time slips. Oh yeah. So from my own limited understanding of listening to mainly other podcasts that have covered this topic is like, you know, like the person is going about their day and like they're suddenly transported. Tran- or experiencing, or I, I like the word transported. Or, Cause, yeah. Cause but it, like they, long story short, they're in another place or time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like they don't know how they got there. You know, like sometimes they describe like a nuclear Armageddon. Oh, mm-hmm. um, or like. Others travel they're back in to like another, the 1900s. Yeah, they're like they travel back to Victorian times, or you know, yada, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But um, so according to Wikipedia, at least, um, a time slip um, is where a group of people or a person seem to travel through time by unknown means. The idea of a time slip was used in 19th century fantasy, um, or the met in. 1819 Rip Van Winkle, where the mechanism of time travel is an extraordinarily long sleep. Time slip stories were popularized by the end of the century by Mark Twain's 1889 historical novel, A Connecticut Yankee. Um, so one one interesting part of that, Jared, is like the, you know, where they said it's like, um, a mechanism of time travel yeah is there's these like stories where these people get like kidnapped by like fairies or like you know they go into like a fairy mound or whatever mm-hmm. and like they're you know they what they're experiencing is you know like they're there for like a week a month and like you know, like, they go back to their medieval village or whatever, and, like, 20 years have passed by. Mm-hmm. I think we've read a couple of those stories, yeah. if you remember, but um, it's just interesting. Do you yeah, want to kick it off with, like, a... Yeah, with a few stories. So, yeah. Technically speaking, a time slip is, like, a paranormal phenomenon, and um, the objective reality of such experiences is disputed, but there are... Um, but I have five uh, stories here and a few other ones. So this one's called the Battle of uh, Nechtan Samir. Uh, it is as January uh, 2nd, 1950, a cocktail party held 10 miles away from the little town of Bretchen. Uh, this party was attended by Miss E.F. Smith, a lady um, aged about 55, who was a resident of the village of Lithium under uh, Ditchman Hill. Uh, Ditchin Hill? According to her own account, Miss Smith left the party late, having consumed an unspecified quantity of delicious cocktails. Driving conditions were extremely poor, as pitch dark, and a fall of snow had been um, and fall of snow had been followed by rain. Two miles outside of Bretchen, Miss uh, Miss Smith skidded her car into a ditch. Um, there was, she insisted, no question of her skidding having been due to her fainting or other lapse of consciousness, nor had she been injured in any way or concussed. She had abandoned her car, however, and continued on her journey on foot, a good distance, about uh, eight miles. The paranormal experience began with Miss Smith was about half a mile from the first house of uh, uh, Lethium village. It continued until she reached them. The time was getting 
on for 2 a.m. Appearing ahead, she saw a group of lights moving in the distance, which, as she walked on, gradually resolved themselves into a shadowy group of figures carrying flaming torches. Miss Smith, they're obviously, obviously looking for their own dead. Uh, the one I was watching, the nearest one, would bend down and turn a body over. If he didn't like the look of it, he just turned it back on its face and went on to the next one. There were several of them. I suppose this is... I suppose they were going to bury him. Miss Smith had long come to the conclusion that she had somehow witnessed a group of uh, Pittish, uh, Pictish warriors of the late 17th century, circa 1685. So she actually traveled back into time and witnessed a battle, like a, a battlefield, like a remains of a battlefield. Mm -hmm. And um, groups of soldiers were checking for their fallen brethren. And uh, she was witness to that. And apparently they didn't notice her, which is interesting. Because she makes no statement of them like seeing her or interacting with her she just saw them flipping in the distance over. in the distance yeah um but so, like the i remember from some youtube videos like the pics mm -hmm. or one of the invading groups on the isle of Eng england. england they were seen as invaders by like so believe it or not the roman empire at one point in time Extended all the way to Britain. Oh, I like I, I didn't know that they were having issues with the Vikings at that time too. Well, the the Viking raids, the mass, you know, the massive, the massive ones were like from eight hundred to eleven hundred. Yep. Like you know, that's like when Leif Erikson ran into Proto Inuit, which I want to do a separate podcast. On. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. Isn't that? Fascinating, like, yep. just imagine Vikings finding Inuit. Yeah. That's weird. You know? That would be odd. And it's true. Yeah. Like, they found the settlements. Yep, here in America. Before and they, they, did, they called them Scraylings. Yeah, they did. Scraylings. We've, we've talked about that yeah. before on a podcast. I yeah, think. that's cool. Oh, yeah. So, I'll do the next one? I Well, I have another story. This one's a short one, too. Okay, cool. Oklahoma White Building. A white Ford pickup pulled up to the cattle pasture near uh, Planco City, Oklahoma in early fall 1971. Stopped at a gate. Carl, Mark, and Gordon worked for cattle feed distributors and were sent to this remote area to pick up a feeder. Uh, what they found were there had kept them silent for 41 years. We opened the gate, which was barbed wire with no lock, and entered. We went on the property, which was covered with uh, grass up to, up to and over the hood of the truck. They drove through the tall gas, grass to the tank that sat close to the red barn and got out of the truck. We realized the tank was almost half full and too heavy to load. We decided to leave and drove around the red barn. We saw a large two-story white house with no lights in front of us. The trio drove back to the cattle feeding company and the boss said he had drained the tank and they could pick it up tomorrow. We went to the location to retrieve the tank the next night. This time we uh, decided to go through the old, old white big house on the hill and brought our shotguns. They drove onto the property over the path. You know they're American then. Oh yeah. Uh, they made through the grass the day before and loaded the tank. When they pulled around the barn towards the house, uh, they saw what uh, what they saw was burning it burned into the memories. There was no it was no longer there. We walked up the hill where it stood and there's no signs of demolition or foundation, nothing at all. Um, what we all seemed to witness the night before was no longer there. We have talked to each other over the years, but none of us can begin to explain this vision. So they saw this really old white house and it just kind of like disappeared. Um, the next night they went through went through that area, so it was like it was never there before, and they couldn't find any foundation or anything, like no history of it being left there. So that's kind of interesting. So they 
so they went out, got their guns, and then well, went to this to a, house? No, they were trying to get a feeder, uh, like a like a, a feeder for cattle. Right. And it was behind a, a, like a storage shed kind of thing. And so it wasn't emptied the first night. They Is that where the time slip happened? Um, yes, because they saw the White House. Um, but they... Because uh, usually these people don't even know it. realize that it's happened. You know, yeah. they just suddenly... Yep, and so the feeder was like half full and they couldn't load it. And so they had to have their boss go empty the feeder. Um, and so the next day they went back to go retrieve the feeder. And the White House that was in the background was gone and it wasn't there. Um, but they all saw it the first time. And so it was like the White House Oh, was so there. they saw that, but that was the time slip. And then yep. they... Then the next time they went back, there was no time slip, and it was back to normal, and the house I wonder was what, gone. Do they describe the house at all, or just, it's a White House? Just like a White House. Um, I mean, they have a... Because, you, you know, like, if they went into some detail, you'd be able to tell maybe what era it's from, you know? Not just... Yeah. But they didn't even find signs of demolition or a foundation or nothing at all. So it's like, what if it, the house hasn't been built yet? You know what I mean? Right. What if the time slip was into the future and that specific house wasn't built yet? Right. I I mean, that's possible. I, I don't know. Yep. And then this one's called Liverpool Bold Street. They're, these are real short stories. I got like two more after this. Yeah, sure. At, at, at any time, old friend. <laughs> On a Sunday, Saturday why, afternoon. Why, why should I talk? Never, each, yeah. never should. <laughs> yeah. In July of 1996, Frank and his wife, Carol, were visiting Liverpool's Bold Street area for some shopping. At Central Station, the pair split up. Carol went to Dylan's bookshop. Frank went to the HMV to look for a CD he wanted. As he walked up to the incline near the uh, Lyceum Post Office, a cafe building that led onto Bold Street, Frank suddenly noticed he had entered a strange oasis of quietness. Suddenly, a small box van that looked like something out of the 1950s sped across his path, honking its horn as it narrowly missed him. Frank noticed the name on the van's side, uh, Chaplin's. When he looked down, um, the confused policeman saw that he was unexpectedly standing in the road. The off-duty policeman crossed the street and saw that the Dillon's bookstore now had crypts all over its entrance. More confused, he looked into, into uh, see not books, but women's handbags and shoes. Looking around, Frank realized people were dressed in clothes that appeared to be from the 1940s. Suddenly, he spotted a young girl nearly uh, in her early 20s dressed in a lime-colored sleeveless top. The handbag she was carrying was popular brand name on it, which reassured the policeman that maybe it was still partly in 1996. It was a paradox, but he re was relieved when he followed the girl in the crypts. As the pair went inside, Frank watched in amazement as the interior of the building completely changed in a flash to that of what Dylan's bookshop of uh, 1996 was. The girl turned to leave, and Frank uh, lightly grasped the girl's arm to uh, attract the attention and said, did you see that? She replied, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a clothes shop. Um, I was going to look around, but it's a bookshop. So that was interesting. So they like transported time from like uh, the 1940s slash 50s to the early uh, 19... Cause so they're they're from the time 1996, but they transported back to the 1940s or six uh, 40s or 50s. So that one was interesting. And then uh, this one's called the Vanish Hotel, Vanishing Hotel. A widely publicized case from October 1979 described the ITV television series Strange but True, concerned the Simpsons and Gypsy, two English married couples couples driving through France en route to a holiday in Spain. They claimed to have stayed overnight in a curiously old-fashioned hotel and decided to break. Uh, their return uh, journey at the same hotel, but were unable to find it. 
Photographs uh, taken during their stay were missing, even from the negative strips when the pictures were developed. <laughs> so they stayed in... A, uh, of course, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, okay. And then this is the last one, Ghost of Vercilli. Oh, are, are you sure? Okay. Oh, I'm positive. Yeah, don't don't well, worry, old pal, don't worry. Yeah, old buddy, old pal. Old buddy, old pal. Best oh. friend. <laughs> one of the best known and earliest examples of the time soap was reported by two English women, uh, Charlotte and Mulberry. Um... September 1846 to 1937, and Eleanor Judan, uh, Jourdain, 1863 to 1924. The principal and vice principal of St. Hugh's College, Oxford, who claimed they slipped back into time in the gardens of the Petit Trends in uh, Vers uh, Versailles from the summer of uh, 1901 to the period of the French Revolution. Ah, so they slipped all the way back to the French Revolution from 1901. Interesting. But yeah, so that's... Uh, that's the stories for this one, and uh, I'll let you take it uh, take it away, good sir. Oh, you you sure? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm like not, that. that this is this is why I call it reptilian insider news, not why you know. Like I could be like a a jerk and call it like you know the Joe Rogan podcast or something. <laughs> like you, you know how pretentious you sound putting your name in the in the title. Yeah, in the title of the. Uh, content that you're creating and putting out there on the internet, but you know, I'm trying to be a good, you know, neutral host. So a good yeah. neutral host, yeah. yeah, yeah. So obviously, of course. Um, <laughs> let's get to our first story, that are higher quality than Gerard's. How dare um, This took place in Penrith, Cumbria. Angela reported a strange experience as she walked on a steep path between pine trees up to the top of Beacon Hill that overlooks Penrith. At that time, she was a teenager. Angela would often climb the beacon when she wasn't at school, and it's still a popular local walk to this very day. One hot day in August in the mid-1970s, Angela and a friend set out onto the footpath from Beacon's Edge. The walk takes about 15 minutes, and the path has many abrupt angles as it zigzags through the trees. The trees crowd thickly around the track as it climbs over craggy sandstone outcrops and soon you feel quite apart from the everyday world. It's an odd feeling and you can have the impression that someone is watching you from the woods on either side. You go up and up, changing direction and losing sight of the path below and behind you. As Angela and her friend climbed that day, they chatted away, but Angela reports how the atmosphere grew increasingly heavy, hmm. as if there were, were thunder in the air, and they had walked up many times, and there wasn't taking much notice of their surroundings until they turned a corner and stopped. They both saw it, an old-fashioned cottage, roughly made of stone. Angela says that it was like, quote, a dwelling from the Middle Ages, and the trouble was that there had never been a cottage there before, and smoke was coming from the chimney, so someone was at home. Angela says there was a very uncanny feeling about the place, and she looked at her friend, and as the door began to open, they both fled, because that's a frightening... Uh... <laughs> when she worked up the cottage to climb the hill some months later, the cottage wasn't there. Her friend could never talk about the experience, Probably because they're dead. Um, as you would imagine in the years since, they've taken 
two, one or two walks up that path in the snow and sun, but they've never had the sl slightest inkling of a time anomaly. So what, that, that kind of reminds me of one of your stories, Jared, because it, you know, where it was like, um, you know, they saw architecture that was that hadn't even been there yeah that hadn't been built yet like that white house mm -hmm. was that the only one yeah that was the one that like it kind of disappeared the other one was the vanishing hotel where they stayed in the hotel the night before but when they because uh, it was like a road trip and so they road trip to somewhere and they stood in a in the hotel right and yeah. then on their way back to home along the same route they wanted to stay in the same hotel but they couldn't find it um one phenomenon that's kind of related to this that we're talking about um, in Japan after a recent earthquake um, if you look it up it's called ghost taxi drivers ghost like, taxi drivers like people will get in like a taxi you know that they've held mm -hmm. and or sorry taxi drivers will pick up like passengers and you know the passenger will say take me to this town or this place and you know the taxi driver will start driving and they're like oh wait um that that place doesn't even exist anymore you know it got damaged in the earthquake or, or whatever fire or whatever and you know they'll turn around and there's nobody in there just gone yeah but there's like some audio recordings of it and yeah, yeah 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 interesting um so the next one is uh pembroke wales over the next few years um, the author taught a evening class on ghosts and legends for adults. I told the story of Angela Charlton and one man, Roger, who they happened to know from outside the class, told his tale. Roger said that he and his family had visited Pembroke Castle in Wales. They were climbing the tower, and he was a flight or two above his family, and when he reached the top of the castle tower... He glanced out over the river and saw it was full of medieval boats. He thought that there must be some kind of festival, but when he remarked on it, not only had his family not noticed it, but when they went back out to look at the river, there were no boats. Roger had no ex explanation for this and didn't make a big deal out of it. Um, he probably wouldn't have mentioned it at all if it hadn't, if the author hadn't told him the story about the girls climbing the hill in Penrith. So that kind of reminds me of your, uh, the pick story. Yeah. Where it's like, he saw humans from the past. Walking around. Yeah. Or like, these people were on boats, but. Yep. Um, so here's another castle. Ooh, Leeds yes. Castle, Kent. Also in a castle, though they don't, yeah. So there's a story of a Alice, P-O-L-L-O-C-K. I, I didn't want to say like, you know, like that's a, okay, whatever. Yeah, I'm not sure. Who visited Leeds Castle in Kent. She was born into the minor aristocracy, and this may have allowed her entry to Leeds Castle in a time when it was generally not open to the public. Leeds Castle is a famous and picturesque castle not far from London. Alice was psychic, and she was trying out some psychometry in Henry VIII's old uh, bedroom. 
Psychometry is the technique where a psychic will touch an object and learn about its history from the impressions that they pick up. Touching various objects in Leeds Castle. Doesn't that kind of sound like remote viewing? Yeah, better. That we just did a podcast on? Yeah, a little bit. Like that? That's really similar. <laughs> really, wow. Yeah, it's really um, similar. So she touched various objects. The castle changed and became cold and bare. The carpet vanished and there was a blazing fire piled with logs. Alice saw a tall woman pacing back and forth in the room that was apparently lost in concentration. In an instant, all of it returned to normal. Later research informed Alice that the room in which she had the vision had been the prison room of Joan of Navarre, who had lived from 1368 to 1437. Joan of Navarre was Henry V's stepmother who was imprisoned after being accused of plotting against the king. She was found innocent and was ultimately released. And uh, the story comes from Alice's autobiography called Portrait of My Victorian Youth, Natural and Supernatural. Hey, here's a side question, Gerard. Do you believe in past lives? Like our, our souls kind of ascend and then we're reborn. I mean, to me, it's like reincarnation. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, like, I don't think... Like my aunt believes that she was like... Uh, she was like uh, a queen or something in a past life. Interesting. Um, no, I... I she, she has like a PhD. Like she... Yeah. Yeah, she's smart. I, I think you should believe what you want to believe, I guess. It's yeah. not hurting nobody. Um, but for me, I don't I don't really see any evidence or proof or any data or anything that suggests that, that, uh, that uh, our souls are reincarnated. Because if that's the case, what about the fluctuations in, in population and humans, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If there's a limited number of souls, there'd be a limited number of humans. Like, did... But if there's unlimited souls, what are the, what are those souls? Where are they at? What are they doing? Did you ever watch Avatar? The Last Airbender? Yeah. Yeah. You know how he's like reincarnated? Hey, yeah. um, do you remember how they, the monks figured out that he was the Avatar? Um, because of the they did the little toy thing. Yeah. He picked a specific type of toy. That and those were the toys that had been picked. By the other Avatar. By the other Air avatars you know and they said this was like out of what thousands of toys yeah so believe it or not that's based off of a real thing so like you know how uh so in buddhism they believe that the buddha is constantly being reincarnated yeah so that's how they pick the next buddha jared is like like a parent will bring their kid to like the monastery and say like, I think my kid, you know, is like special or something. Yeah. So like they put all these toys out in front of them. And, and if the kid them. picks those specific toys, he's the reincarnation of the Buddha. Hmm. I'm, I'm dead serious. That. No, that's cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, okay. So another <laughs> time slip. This just comes from a book called... An adventure, because why come up with a creative name? You know, 
It's what's inside that counts. And Adventure was initially published in 1910 and gives the account of two English women who experienced a time slip in the gardens of the Palace of Versailles on August 10th of 1901. They wrote the book under pseudonyms Elizabeth Morrison and Francis Lamont, though their actual, actual names were Charlotte Moberly and Eleanor Jourdain. Moberly's father was headmaster at the prestigious Winchester School and later Bishop of Salisbury. In her account, she distances herself from a belief in ghosts and the occult. Uh, Jourdain's father was a vicar of the Church of England. Can you look up what a vicar was? How do you spell it? V-I-C-A-R. V-I-C-A-R. Church of England. So they felt they had walked through the gardens as they were on August 10th, 1792, the day the French monarchy fell during the French Revolution. This account is remarkable for the detail, the statements of the two women, and the efforts they went to establish the historical evidence for their belief that they had strayed into the past. The two women met three months after they visited Versailles and talked it over again. It was at this time that they discovered that Jourdain had not seen the lady and that Miss Moberly had not seen the plow, cottage, woman, or girl. And because of this story, they went apart and wrote separate accounts without confirming. This fact strongly suggests that they were not making up their experience. Miss Lamont, in her story, used the words uncanny and eerie to describe her feelings, but at the time she denied any thought that any of the people or places encountered were unreal or ghostly. Hmm. So I looked up what a vicar is. It's a member of the clergy who is not high-ranking, but is still considered a holy representative of the church. Um, it's Episcopalian and Roman Catholic churches. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's what the vicar is, the vicar. It's a member of clergy, not high-ranking, but they're still a holy representative. So you... You know, like the whole reason the Anglican Church even exists, right? Huh. With like King Henry the Eighth and like how he couldn't have a male heir. Yeah. So he had to continuously marry and then divorce his current wife. He had six, by the way. To finally get a son. Yeah. And then ironic unironically, that son that was born was sickly and died, died. at like the oh, age of thirteen. Goodness. So that's what you get. I guess for being happy with what you have, I guess. Yeah, true. Um, so one of the most famous recent time slips is that of Bold Street, Liverpool. On a sunny day in July 1996, an off-duty policeman called Frank went shopping with his wife, Carol, Frank. not Karen, in Liverpool City Center. Carol went to buy a copy of Irvine Welsh's train spotting at Dylan's bookshop on Bold Street, while Frank went to purchase a CD at HMV on Rain Law Street. He bumped into a friend, had a chat, and then about 20 minutes later, he strolled to Bold Street to meet his wife. Upon strolling up the incline from the central station, he noticed an unusual quietness. Frank noticed the street was cobbled, where it had never been before, and instead of modern clothes, people wore clothes from the 1950s. Frank was startled by a loud horn and a box van with the name Kaplan's on sign 
that sped past, just missing him. Crossing the road, Frank saw in place of Dylan's bookshop was a large store with the name Crips over its two entrances with a window display containing women's handbags and shoes. Well, that's the story I've already read. Oh. <laughs> well, this is a retelling of it. It seems like it's worded better, too. Yeah. Frank saw a young woman dressed in clothes of the mid-90s, hipster jeans, and a sleeveless top. She also carried a bag branded with Miss Selfridge, a store that was done in Liverpool in the 1950s. This modern girl entered Crips looking baffled, and suddenly the whole street scene reverted to 1996. Frank asked the young woman if she saw the same things he had seen. She said she hadn't seen Frank. Later it transpired that a woman's outfitters called Crips had indeed stood on the side of Dylan's in the 1950s. Uh, yeah. So a thorough trawl of the internet reveals many versions of the story, but all clearly derivative from Tom Sleeman's original version. And it does not appear that either Frank or Carol ever spoke to anyone else about this incident. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I also have, uh, when three British boys to travel to medieval England, or did they? Um, so a 1957 tri uh, time traveler recalls a feeling of unfriendliness and unseen watchers, uh, which sent shivers up one's back. Looking back, uh, the really strange thing was the silence. The way the church bells stopped ringing, a little group of uh, naval cadets clear uh, neared the village. Uh, the way even the ducks stood quiet and motionless by the shallow stream that ran across the road when the main, uh, where the main street began. And when the boys thought about it afterwards, they recall that even the autumn bird songs faded as they neared the first house. The wind had stopped, had dropped to nothing as well. Not a leaf stirred on the street as they passed the street. Uh, trees appeared to cast no shadows. The street itself was quite deserted. Not so odd, perhaps, for a Sunday morning in 1957, especially in the rural heart of England, but even the remotest British hamlets displayed some signs of modernity by then cars parked by the roadside. Phone wires strung along the roads, aerials on roof, roofs. There was nothing of that sort in this village. In fact, the houses on the high street all looked ancient. They were raggedy, uh, ragged, hand-built, timber-framed, almost medieval in appearance, one boy thought. All three Royal Navy cadets walked up to the nearest building and pressed their faces to its grimy windows. They could see it was some sort of butcher shop. But what they glimpsed in the interior was even more unsettling. One of them recalled, um, there were no tables or counters, just two or three whole ox oxen car uh, carcasses which had been skinned and were in places uh, quite green with age. There were green painted doors, windows with smallish glass panes, one at the front, one at the side, rather dirty looking. I remember that as we three looked through that window in disbelief at the green and moldy green carcass, the general By the feeling, way, it was green. <laughs> yeah, very. Uh, the general <laughs> feeling of uncertainty was one of disbelief and re unreality. Who would believe that in 1957 the health of authorities would, not, would allow such conditions? They appeared into another house. It, too, had a greenish, smeary windows. It, too, appeared uninhabited. The walls Is everything green? green in this? Apparently. Uh, the walls had been crudely whitewashed, but the rooms were empty. The boys could see no possessions, no furniture. They thought the rooms themselves had to, been, had to be not of modern-day quality. Spooked now, the cadets turned back and hurried out of the strange village. 
The tracks climbed a small hill. They did not turn back until they had reached the top. Then one of the three remembered, suddenly we could hear the bells once more and saw smoke rising from chimneys. None of the chimneys were smoking in the village. We ran a few hundred yards as if to shake off this weird feeling. What happened to those three boys in October morning more than 50 years ago remains something of a mystery. Uh, they were taking part in a mini map reading exercise that ought to have been straightforward. The idea was to navigate their way across four or five miles of countryside to a designated point, then return to base and report what they had seen, which, if all according to, uh, if all went to plan, uh, should have been a picturesque Suffolk village of Kersey. But the more they thought about it, the more the cadets wondered whether something very strange had occurred to them. Years later, William Ling, the Scottish boy who led the group, put it this way. It was a ghost village, so to speak. It was almost as if we had walked back in time. I experienced an overwhelming feeling of sadness and de de uh, depression and cursey, but also a feeling of unfriendliness and unseen watchers, which sent shivers up one back, one's back. I wondered if we knocked at a door to ask a question, who might have answered it? It does not uh, bear thinking about. Langley, who came from uh, Peshire and Highlands of Scotland, was a stranger to these parts of the East England, and so were his friends uh, Michael Crowley from Warshire and Ray Baker from Cockney. Um, that was the point. All three were 15 years old and had recently signed up to join the uh, Royal Navy. That made it easy for the petty officers in charge of their training to confirm that they had reached the village they were supposed to find just by checking their descriptions. As it was, their superiors, Langley recalled, were rather skeptical when they told him of their odd experience, but laughed it off and agreed that we had seen uh, curtsy, all right. Um, there were a matter, there, the matter rested until the late 1980s when Lang and Crowley, both by then living in uh, Australia, talked by phone and chewed over the incident. Langley had um, always been troubled by it. Crowley, it emerged, did not remember it in so, as much detail as old friend, but he did not think that something strange has happened. He recalled the silence, the lack of aerials and streetlights, the bizarre butcher shop, and it was enough to prompt Lang to write the author of the book he read, uh, um, a leading member of the Society for Psychi Psychiatric Research. Uh, McNeesey was intrigued by Bill Lang's letter and recognized it might describe a case of retrocognition, the RPS, um, SRP term for what we would call time slip casing, case. So they call it uh, retro, uh, retrocognition is the term that they call time slips. Mm -hmm. um, looking at the details, he thought it was possible that the three cadets had seen curtsy, not as it was in 1957, but how it had been centuries earlier. A long correspondence he and Langley exchanged letters for two years, and a foray into local libraries with the help of a historian curtsy held to confirm the view. In 1990, Lang flew to England, and the two men walked through the village reliving the experience. What's make, what makes this case particularly interesting is that the re, uh, retrocognition is probably the rarest reported of a psych, uh, psych, uh, psychological phenomenon. There have only been a handful of cases of which by far the most famous remains a Versilius incident of 1901. On that occasion, two highly educated British women, the principal and the vice principal of St. Hewis College, Oxford, were wandering through the grounds of a uh, palace of Versailles outside of uh, Versailles. Versailles outside of Paris when they had a series of experiences that later convinced them that they had seen gardens as if they were um, there before the French Revolution. Detailed research suggests to them that one of the figures they encountered might have been Mary Antoinette, uh, Louis X V I's wife, the Queen of France. V I I I I I I I I. Um, Mackenzie's research in the Curtsies incident led him to a very similar conclusion. He featured it as 
the leading case in a book published on the retrocognition adventures in time, 1997. Several factors led him to conclude that the cadets had experienced a genuine, the obvious sincerity of uh, uh, Langley and his uh, friend Crowley, Crowley, Ray Baker, was also traced, but turned out to remember nothing of the experience. The details of their recollection and a few uh, persuasive discoveries among the details that impressed Mackenzie were most um, most was the uh, realization that the house Langley had identified as a butcher shop, which was a private residence in 1957, remained one of Curtsy uh, when Curtsy was uh, revisited in 1990, dated it back to 1350, which had actually been a butcher shop at least as early as the 1790s. Um, the author also struck by the suggestive fact that the uh, season seemed to change as the cadets entered the village. Inside uh, Curtsy, uh, Langley recalled it was a uh, uh, verdant. The trees were the magnificent green color one finds in spring or early summer. Um, then, w then there was the puzzling uh, puzzle of the village church. Lang noticed that the party had not seen it after they had descended into the village, and the uh, pale of silence fell. Indeed, he exp explicitly recalled that there were no signs of a church. I would have certainly seen it, as I had a field of observation of 360 degrees. Crowley likely recalled no church or pub, all of which seemed hard to explain since St. Mark's, St. Mary's curtsy dated back to the 14th century and is a principal landmark of the district, readily visible to anyone passing along the main street. Mackenzie, basing this his case on the his, history of St. Mary's, interpreted this anomaly as evidence to help pinpoint the likely date on which Lang and his observation uh, companions visited the village, noting that the construction of the tower was halted by ravages of the Black Death in uh, 1348 and uh, 1349, which killed half of the population of Curtsy. Mackenzie concluded that the cadets might have seen it as it had been in the aftermath of the plague, when the shell of the, of the half-constructed church would have been hidden by trees. And since Langley and Crowley also recalled that the village buildings had glazed windows, a rarity in the Middle Ages, Mackenzie uh, further suggested that the, that the most likely date was uh, circa 19, or 1420, when the church remained unfinished, but the village was growing rich from the wool trade. It's a great story, and looked at the eyes of a historian, there are some explanations for the events of 1957. Your turn, Luke. I, that's all this one had. Oh, actually, it's a lot longer, but I don't want to feel like reading the rest of it. <laughs> Unless you want me to. No, I'm, I'm sure they're falling asleep. Yeah, I know, I'm falling asleep. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Your turn. Uh -huh. Don't worry, guys. We're the best of friends. Yeah. Friends of bestness. By the way, my fees are due. Oh, yeah. oh your fees. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. the fees. Okay, um, so this is from the dailymail.co.uk, which, you know, like, I love this outlet because, you know, they're, they're the ones where I get, like, all my UFO stories and whatnot from. Oh. They're... To me, they're almost like the, you know, like the Alex Jones of the UK. Yeah. It's hilarious because they'll report on anything. Okay, like Fox News. Yeah, just yeah, absolutely anything. Because Fox News reports on UFOs. Oh. CNN good. doesn't, or no. like MSN. They yeah. Don't. yeah they, mm -hmm. Well, if it's like the that FBI or the CIA report, they then will. They, they will because it's... Like if it's government, yes, really but otherwise... Numbers. They don't. Yeah. From what I can tell, they don't. Um, so 1977, when this person was five and their sister was seven, 
They were staying with their great aunt in a old Norfolk house, and it dated back to the 1600s. They woke every very early and went to the living room where we saw where they saw that the fire was lit and an old woman in a long dress and cap was using a spinning wheel. She looked up but didn't say anything. Thinking that she would make their breakfast, the children walked into the kitchen but it was dark and when they went um, back to ask her she had vanished. The fireplace was cold and then when they told the adults later, they said the home help hadn't even arrived yet. <laughs> That's creepy. That <laughs> so it's like an old woman on a spinning wheel. Yep. Uh, pretty sure that would creep me out. That would creep yeah. me out as well. So, um, despite his lack of belief in, quote, supernatural um, nonsense, the experience of feeling like the past and present collided, had stayed with him. Now he accepts he may have lived through a quote time slip, a par yeah, a paranormal occurrence where it's suddenly possible to see the same spot but from many years ago or in the future. Because I have heard on a podcast it was expanded perspectives. I think I've told you about them. Yeah. But they uh, like this guy saw the nuclear Armageddon. Yeah. Like, that's what he saw. So it's like he traveled into the future. Right, yeah. And so just in the past. Because all of these have been in the past, right? Um, Except for the White House. That one had the potential to be in the future because there was no foundation or right. even... But, like, one I read was, like, a stone cottage. Yeah. So... Um, that seems like the past. Right. Um, I don't know. That... These, these seem very quick. Mm-hmm. Like they're short. Short stories, yeah. Yeah. I figured it would be longer, but that's all I wanted to cover from this article. Um, do you have any others? Uh, yeah, I got The Vanishing Hotel. Okay. Hmm. Why don't we do that one, then we'll end. Sounds good. The Vanishing Hotel. In 1979, two couples were driving through France on holiday. Uh, Geoff and Pauline Simpson and Len and Cynthia Gitsby, looking for a place to stay near um, Montlimar, they found a motel, but there were no vacancies, um, and that they should try further down the road, so they set off. They soon found themselves driving down a cobble street road. They paused to take an interest in the oddly old-fashioned sign for a circus. Soon they came across a long, low stone building, an inn. The couples went inside and were shown to the rooms. The windows had no glass in them. They're just simple wooden shutters. The furniture was basic, there were no pillows, no telephones, nothing remotely modern, no lifts. After eating a meal of steak, eggs, and beer, they retired to bed. Apparently a bed without pillows, that would suck. <laughs> At breakfast in the dining room That's the next morning. <laughs> At breakfast in the dining room the next morning, they're struck by something bizarrely uh, struck by some bizarrely dressed individuals. A woman in a silk evening gown came in carrying a dog. It was strange, Pauline said. It looked like she had just come in from a ball, but it was seven in the morning. I couldn't take my eyes off of her. Policemen wearing uniforms later identified to a date from 1905 also sat down to eat. Later paying the bill, the couples were astonished that they just asked for 19 francs, just over two uh, pounds to cover their stay. Two weeks down the line, on the way home from holiday, they decided to stay at the hotel again, but it was no longer there. 
and uh, developing the rolls of film they had snapped with the camera, all the negatives Everybody of the photos dead. they had taken at the hotel were missing. Baffled, they returned four years later to again try to locate the hotel, but never found it. Interesting. So yeah, that, that was... That's uh, the story? Yeah, that was the end of the story. So, like what? They stayed in, a, in an inn, yep. or like whatever, and it just... They left and then it vanished, or what? Um, so they're they're on holiday. They're on vacation. They stay. They're looking for a place to stay on their way to their vacation spot. Mm-hmm. But on their way back, they wanted to stay at the same exact inn, but it was uh, it it was gone. Like it was no longer there. And they said it was really old looking. They had wooden shutters. They didn't even have glass. They didn't even have pillows. No electronics. No lights. Nothing. Nothing modern. And so it was complete. It was like they traveled back into like old England. Before the the, but like they ate there. And they ate there, yeah. They, they slept there. They slept there. Yeah, they so they were there overnight. Yep. Wow. They were there the entire. And night. they were only charged like two euros. Yep, two pounds. Yeah, very cheap. I hope they paid them. <laughs> it's like it's like didn't the the didn't they notice that uh, when they, I guess the people that they're interacting with. They didn't even think about them being foreigners, you know what I mean? You would have seen people dressed oddly, which they said they did. But, yeah. Right. That one was an interesting story. So I think we'll end there, guys. I know it's a little early, but um, sometimes it's good to have shorter episodes. Um, My offer from last time still stands, and I'll run through it again, is if you lovely people would leave a Apple review. It helps us rank. Um, it helps us algorithmically. Um, lets us know how we could improve, what we are doing good. Um, how I can make up for Jared's, uh, how, how to don't phrase you, this. Don't you say it. How to phrase this. Don't you say it. Don't you say it. Don't you do it. <laughs> His high quality, high caliber of acting. But anyways, if you leave us an Apple review, uh, first time people, I'm willing to do a uh, piece of artwork for you. Probably just a sketch, but uh, it it's free, and I'm I'm a He's someone. A yeah, I'm a decent artist, right? Yeah, I've got a few of yeah. his drawings from Christmas and stuff like yeah, that, and I really so, like them. I have them up yeah. in my room, actually, yeah. on my bookshelf. Not just because we're best friends, but... But no, they're actually yeah. decent. Yeah. That's besides the point. Um, so, thank you guys for letting us blabber on. Uh, this has been your host and my co-host... Jared, I hope you guys have a great day. Yeah, thanks for listening, and... Uh, I'll catch you guys later. Kelsey, uh, your your job interview what didn't go through. I, I apologize. But You've been fired. Yeah, you're fired. Peace. Bye.